0: The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta. At Delta Airlines, we're committed to donating 1% of our net profits to charities around the world. For more information about Delta, visit Delta.com. Good morning. I'm James Homan from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, June 27th. In today's news, the Supreme Court upholds the travel ban. A federal judge orders that all the kids taken from their parents at the border must be reunited within a month. And Trump's pick to lead the VA has a long history as a combatant in the culture wars. But first, the big idea. The number four House Democrat going down foreshadows the party's coming identity crisis. Representative Joseph Crowley of New York, a top-ranking Democrat, lost in a stunning upset Tuesday to a little-known primary challenger, sending shockwaves through the party out of power less than five months before the midterm elections. It wasn't even close. With all the ballots tallied, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a 28-year-old activist, beat Crowley by 15 points, 57% to 42%. She was a bartender as recently as last year, And worked as a field organizer for Bernie Sanders' 2016 campaign. At her victory party in the Bronx, she was jubilant. This victory belongs to every single grassroots organizer, every working parent, every mom, every member of the LGBTQ community. Every single person is responsible for this. Ocasio-Cortez embodies and personifies several trends we've seen so far this election cycle. She's a woman, she's a first-time candidate, and her mother immigrated to New York from Puerto Rico more than half of the district's residents, 54%, are Latino. Ocasio-Cortez aggressively reached out to communities of color who are typically ignored during primary campaigns. Her goal was to change the complexion of the electorate. One of her commercials opened like this. Women like me aren't supposed to run for office. I wasn't born to a wealthy or powerful family. The strategy worked. Meanwhile, Crowley is a proud, back-slapping Irishman who has run the Democratic machine in Queens for decades. But the days of Tip O'Neill are long gone, and his truism has now been reversed. All politics are national. Ocasio-Cortez spent the final weekend of the campaign not in New York, but in Texas, protesting outside a child detention center. She identifies as a Democratic socialist. She ran on an agenda that included abolishing the Federal Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, making Medicare a universal program, tuition-free college, and a guarantee from the federal government that everyone will have a job. Her surprising victory shocked the national press and the Democratic establishment. A startled Brian Williams interrupted his show on MSNBC Tuesday night with the breaking news. It is easily the most shocking result of this political season thus far. Many were quick to compare Crowley's defeat to what happened four years ago to Eric Cantor. Cantor, then the House Majority Leader, was widely considered next in line to replace John Boehner as speaker. Then he unexpectedly lost in a 2014 Republican primary for re-election. Like Cantor, Crowley has spent a lot of time traveling the country. He was much more focused on preparing for a future leadership race than his own re-election. Here's Brian Williams talking about Cantor. He, too, did not tend to a political brush fire back home in his district. He is now a private citizen, which is apparently what Congressman Joe Crowley will become in January. Crowley was incredibly gracious in defeat. He loves to play the guitar and thought he'd be strumming his sixth string to celebrate. Instead, as his political career came to an abrupt and unexpected end, the congressman congratulated Ocasio Cortez. After conceding, he even dedicated a song to her. This is for Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Then, the 10 term congressman performed Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the Supreme Court made two big decisions yesterday. First, the justices voted on party lines to uphold Trump's travel ban, ruling that the president has the statutory authority to ban travelers from certain Muslim-majority countries over national security concerns. The five to four decision was a major victory for the administration. Chief Justice John Roberts, writing for the majority, tried to play down the political aspects of the case. Despite Trump's stated desire to block Muslims from entering the U.S., Roberts said the presidential proclamation that led to the ban is within the scope of presidential authority. He added, quote, We express no view on the soundness of the policy. Justice Sonia Sotomayor, in a blistering dissent, repeatedly called out Trump by name and argued that the ban had the appearance of discrimination. The ruling is already emboldening Trump as he seeks to further remake the U.S. immigration system. And many Muslims are distraught about the ruling which they believe redefines their place in america the second big decision yesterday was that so-called crisis pregnancy centers in california do not need to post notices or talk to patients about state services regarding abortions the law was passed because there are some clinics that seem from the outside like they're abortion clinics but then they seek to talk women out of terminating their pregnancies once they get inside In the 5-4 decision, the conservative majority said a law requiring women be told they can get access to abortion elsewhere violates the free speech rights of the people who own the clinics. Justice Stephen Breyer wrote the dissent. He said conservatives are being hypocritical because they've repeatedly voted to uphold state laws that force doctors to read a script to women when they want to get an abortion, telling them about other alternatives. Likewise, Breyer noted that all women seeking prenatal care or other reproductive health care should probably receive information about services available to them. Number two, a federal judge in Southern California barred family separations at the border and ordered immigration officials to reunite migrants already affected by Trump's zero tolerance policy within 30 days. He said that children under five must be reunited with parents in half the time. Judge Dana Sabra granted a preliminary injunction sought by the American Civil Liberties Union. He also said that all parents must be able to speak with their kids within 10 days. Sabra was nominated to the district court by George W. Bush, and he had this to say of Trump's zero tolerance policy, quote, the unfortunate reality is that under the present system, migrant children are not accounted for with the same efficiency and accuracy as property. Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill, Democratic lawmakers rejected a narrow GOP plan aimed at reversing Trump's family separation policy because it would actually allow for the federal government to indefinitely detain parents and children, as long as they're together, while awaiting asylum hearings and deportation proceedings. Democrats' refusal to go along with the idea dims prospects for a quick fix on the issue, and it underscores just how unlikely it is that Congress will act at all before they depart on a 10-day July 4th recess. Number three, Trump's nominee to lead the Department of Veterans Affairs, Robert Wilkie, is preparing for a Senate confirmation hearing today. Wilkie has an impeccable resume. He's the son of an army artillery commander, and he's a reserve officer in the Air Force himself. But he's no apolitical public servant. He is a longtime former member of the Sons of Confederate Veterans, a group known for its defense of Confederate symbols. He started his career as an aide to Jesse Helms, the Senate firebrand who denounced Martin Luther King Jr. and once called gay people, quote, weak, morally sick wretches. Throughout his career, Wilkie has shown a willingness to fight the culture wars alongside his bosses. He also worked for Trent Lott, who lost his leadership post when he said that Strom Thurmond and his 1948 candidacy, which was based on separating the races, contributed to America. Earlier this year, he led efforts to justify Trump's ban on transgender troops while working at the Pentagon. In 1997, Wilkie was outspoken as he said working women should not be given equal pay protections under the law. Democrats are going to hammer him on all of this today. But the reality is that he's very likely to get confirmed by the Republican-controlled Senate anyway. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, June 27th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.